This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast, and I'm your host, Leo. Fabi is with us here today, but she is uh, getting ready. We were a little bit under the gun on getting this episode off the ground, and uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and kick it off, and then she'll join us here. But we've got some guests that are coming on the program, and today we're going to talk about schooling, specifically Waldorf education. If you are in our Telegram group, which again, shout out to the Telegram group at Collective Resistance podcast or at the collective resistance podcast on telegram you can join the conversation there which you can get uh pretty wild and interesting on uh, the telegram group as telegram often does uh but if you're up for fun like that then please join us uh, but we do talk about waldorf education from time to time within that group and uh, a lot of the people in there are interested about learning more because they haven't heard of it uh, we kind of came or stumbled upon it by accident and uh, we've kind of followed a path on waldorf with our two older boys boys. Uh, and, uh, uh, we're kind of deciding if we're going to continue that with our younger five-year-old, um, as she's just kind of entering into school. But uh, I want to kind of introduce our guests because we have three of them that are joining us today and I've got some, um, you know, intros to read through. So normally I would do that once I've got them on the line, but because these are kind of long, we're going to go ahead and, and run through them. So let's go ahead and start off. I will lead off with Natalie Britton. Uh, her early years were spent learning and growing under a nurturing umbrella of love and precipitation in the greater Seattle area. She graduated from Seattle Pacific University with a degree in fine arts and education before traveling the world with her high school sweetheart turned husband. After visiting and teaching in many far off and beautiful places, including South Korea and a native Alaskan village of 300 people, she discovered Waldorf education. She taught a grade one at Winterberry Charter School in Anchorage and began her Waldorf teacher training. When she became pregnant with her first son, however, she chose to pause her career in education and stay at home to develop her craft of homemaking. After having two beautiful boys, she developed a fascination with eco-villages. She completed several online courses studying the art of community in addition to visiting several intentional communities across the United States. We also have Jessica Prentice joining us. Jessica Prentice grew up in Washington, D.C. and spent her college years getting a B.A. from an Ivy League university, teaching in a refugee camp in Thailand, traveling in Mexico, and spending a year as the only white student at an historically black college in Mississippi. She then moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, where she has lived for the last 30 years. After spending a year teaching on an emergency credential in East Oakland, she abandoned her longtime dream that she could make a difference by being a public school teacher and began a 20-year career in food and nutrition. After working as a chef 
cooking teacher and sustainable agricultural educator. She wrote the book Full Moon Feast, Food and Hunger for Connection, which was published by Chelsea Green Publishing in 2006. She also co-created the Local Foods Wheel with two collaborators and co-founded Three Stone Hearth Community Supported Kitchen in Berkeley, which uh, she stewarded for 13 years. In 2008, she began, or I'm sorry, in 2008, she had a son and subsequently discovered Waldorf education. In 2018, she left the kitchen in Berkeley to become the school director at Berkeley Rose Waldorf School, where she is completing her fifth year of service. She found leading a Waldorf school through COVID and being on the front lines of the culture wars to be a humbling and life-changing experience. When her son graduates from eighth grade in June, the two of them will join her husband in Sandpoint, Idaho for the next phase of their life together. She is very excited to bring together the various threads of her background with her passions for organizational leadership and Waldorf education in the co-founding of Nova High with Michelle and Natalie. And lastly, we've got Michelle Berkey. Michelle grew up in Spokane, Washington. During her undergrad undergrad years, she spent her days homeschooling her three children and founding a Waldorf school called Winsong School. Once she became a trained Waldorf teacher, she moved her growing family to Colorado to teach first grade and finally enroll all of her children at a Waldorf school. She was in pursuit of a Waldorf experience through high school, which eventually led her family to Maine. After teaching for a year, she had her fifth child and her and her partner followed their dreams and opened an organic juice bar in Freeport, Maine. Then COVID arrived. While keeping her business afloat, she also left the big school to teach and run her own program in a one-room schoolhouse for a year before moving home to the panhandle. She loved the Waldorf High School experience her older uh, children received and upon moving to Sandpoint set her sights on opening a Waldorf High School. Since moving here she joined the board of the Panita Panada Theater to serve the local community. She is an entrepreneur, a visionary, a writer, an artist, and a lover of all things water. She is a doer and knows how to start from nothing and get to the finish line. So those are the intros of our three guests that are going to be joining us any second here. Fabi is now here with us. Fabi, how are you doing today? Hey, Leo. Excited about our guest tonight. Excited about finally getting to really talk about Waldorf education and the evolution. Yeah. And if you couldn't tell from that, these three are kind of coming together to build a Waldorf High School in the North Idaho area. And we're going to kind of discuss uh, how that uh, evolved and their thoughts around, uh, you know, where they'd like to take education and where they see it going overall uh, within the marketplace. Right. I think I'm most curious to know what are the children of today are really needing after, you know, these two, three years of weirdness and uh, craziness. You could say that, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, are we ready to bring them on? Let's do it. All right. Well, here, let me see if they're ready and we'll patch them in. Are we, are we answering um, just like more about our, our own experiences and background leading up to this? Yes. Yes. Or you can just take it wherever you'd like to go. Yeah, Take it wherever. What, what inspires you actually to join this, this new venture that we're all so excited about? 
Yeah, well, I can I can give a little preface, and then I know Michelle has more to say on this subject. But um, for me personally, Sandpoint is the birthplace of my husband, Tyler. And so we retraced our roots and came here. Um, we also came here for the Waldorf School because I have two sons, ages four and six. And so we moved to Sandpoint um, for those two reasons predominantly, but also because the culture here is just so... Um, awake and there's such um, a higher consciousness that's evolving that we knew we needed to live here. So mm -hmm. it's a beautiful place. And through um, sort of the Waldorf channels, I met Michelle and we struck up a friendship um, actually through a mutual friend from Winsong School, which Michelle co-created. And through our conversations and through our shared love of Waldorf education, we discovered that both of us had this little seedling within our souls to bring about this Waldorf High School. And so, um, you know, Michelle has a lot of experience bringing about the genesis of new schools. And so we said, you know what, given our backgrounds and our passions, we we can do this. And so that is um, sort of where I came from and how I got to Sandpoint and how I met Michelle and how um, this train, I guess, started to go. Amazing. Michelle, you want to go next? So for me, a long time ago, I used to homeschool in Spokane and we had this um, big Waldorf homeschooling group. And um, that out of that was born Winsong, essentially. Um, and one of my good friends there, her name is Durge. She's on the video that's on our page. Um, she only went to a Waldorf High School and she planted this seed of like obsession that, you know, grew in me about my children having a Waldorf High School experience. Mm -hmm. And so once I began my teacher, you know, path and went out there to Colorado, Bellingham and eventually Maine. Um, it was all in pursuit of a Waldorf High School for my kids at some end point. And so my son Miles went to Tara Performing Arts Waldorf um, High School in Boulder, and then we went to Maine. And when we decided, realized we were going to need to leave Maine and come to Idaho, which was in part because of my friend Kelly, who runs the hedge here in Sandpoint, and I had a teaching position at that school. Um, it was it was pretty clear to me at that point that we needed to start a Waldorf High School <laughs> because it was for, for me, it was either we start a high school or I have to move again at some point um, to, to get that for my my child who's 10. I have a lot of a different range of, of ages. And then it was reaffirmed once my older two, um, two of my older kids were enrolled in the public school here and just watching sort of the light, you know, leave and they're, they're overcrowded and it's just a completely different learning environment. It's just different. Um, e everything about it is really drastically different if I, aside from a few things that we kind of have kept alive through art and theater. Um, and so it just reaffirmed that we needed to have a Waldorf High School here. And after Natalie and I were synced up about let's do this high school thing, I heard about um, Jessica through an acquaintance and heard that she was visiting and essentially um, 
had an intuition that we needed to meet and we actually met at creations. It was total chaos there, but um, (laughs) as you can imagine, um, here we are having a very intense and Jake was there, her husband having a very intense, you know, anthroposophical conversation about our times right now. And, um, and I was just really clear. I want to start a Waldorf high school and she was here for another project. And after that point, we just started meeting every week because she hadn't met Natalie on zoom and and spent the whole summer actually weekly meeting and studying wow. and really getting to um, deepen our work together so that we could find all of the ways that we were aligned and work through any challenges that were coming up in order to go to the next phase which is is the work we've been doing in the fall which is a, a lot more practical right and not so um just just working deeply and understanding each other and being able to know how to work through things so Amazing. Jessica. Well, so for me, I've been working for the past five years as the school director at a Waldorf school. So I'm deep in being in a Waldorf school and navigating COVID in a leadership position, which has been a very intense experience. And um, have also always had this dream that my son would have this 12-year journey. It's sort of sometimes called the 12-year journey in Waldorf. And um, he he did a year of nursery and a year of kindergarten at the school that I'm at, and then eight grades, and he's getting ready to graduate. And so had the dream that that there would be a high school experience for him, but then COVID kind of shook everything up, as we know. And um, you and I have a mutual friend, Andrea, and I was up visiting her and she sort of planted this seed of Sandpoint would really could really use a Waldorf High School. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've, I've been kicking and screaming, you know, for for I was kicking and screaming for a long time. Um, but uh, somehow it has just become clear to me that this is what I'm supposed to do next. And I'm really excited about the opportunity to do this work in a different kind of context than I've been working in. And so I'm very excited to move up to Sandpoint. Um, Jake is already up there and kind of, you know, uh, putting down stakes to to bring us. And once Torsten graduates, I'll sort of graduate with him (laughs) and say goodbye to the school that I have loved and served for the past five years and start a new adventure with these two wonderful women who I've had the privilege to get to know and study with. And we have done a lot of study because this it's a deep project and mm-hmm. everything that happens out of anthroposophy and in Waldorf is important and there's a lot to sink into. So we've been working hard to, to learn and discover what it is we wanna bring into being and we're excited to do it. Hey, something that dawns on me, you know, a lot of people that listen may not have the the frame of reference with with Waldorf and anthroposophy. There may be maybe new words, you know. So I mean, like to, to you guys, and if anybody wants to field this this question or or multiple, you know, w- what does Waldorf mean so people can kind of get a frame of reference of how that ecosystem is different from what they may be used to, and then how would you kind of describe? the high school's uh, um, experience differently from what people might be familiar with, with Waldorf? Sure. Well, I can speak a little bit about Waldorf education and its relationship to anthroposophy. And then maybe Michelle can pick up the high school question because um, uh, that's one of her loves, especially the curriculum, the, the curriculum all the way through, but the high school curriculum. But Waldorf education 
um, is just over 100 years old. It just celebrated its 100 year anniversary in 2019, right before COVID. And there were lots of celebrations all around the world because it's a worldwide movement. I think it is the largest worldwide independent school movement that exists. Wow. And it came into being in 1919, right after the World War, the devastation of World War One in Central Europe. So it was in the time and in the place of this incredible, just horror show that had just happened, with so many people dying from the war, and then the you know the flu that came right on the tail of that. And I I sort of think that was really the the only time that Waldorf education could have come into being was at that moment where the desperation was so great that there was this real willingness to open up to this very, I think of Waldorf education as this, this healing gesture in the stream of sort of Western civilization that came at this moment of Mordor, right? This was more, this was where Mordor came from, right? <laughs> this experience of, um, of World War One and in this place and it was um, a follower of Rudolf Steiner's, you know, follower is not quite the right word, but Rudolf Steiner, you know, taught and lectured and wrote and um, somebody who had been very influenced by him was in charge of a cigarette factory in Stuttgart. And the cigarette factory was called the Waldorf Astoria Cigarette Factory. And so the the impulse, the question for Steiner was, how do we stop something like this from happening again? What had just happened in World War One? And Steiner was like, you have to work with education. You have to work with the children and do it in this completely different way. And so um, Emil Moltz said, okay, let's do it. And he, the first school started to serve the children of the factory workers. And it was very, um, deliberately accessible for all of them and very deliberately also a 12 year curriculum. And that was a radical notion at the time because around the age of 13, 14, there was kind of this big sorting process that would happen where some kids went to be further educated and some kids went to become workers. And he said, that's gotta end. He also said it has to be co-educational. Boys and girls have to be educated together, which was radical at the time. And um, it, it took off, I mean, immediately, this energy around these schools just multiplied. And there was a huge amount of momentum for, you know, over a decade until the Nazis came to power. And then the Nazis shut down as many Waldorf schools as they possibly mm -hmm. could. And then following World War II, there was a huge migration and people took the Waldorf impulse to many, many other parts of the world. And so there was one kind of big spreading that happened then. And then in the 70s, there was another big spreading of Waldorf education. And what you're seeing today, I I think is kind of interesting. Waldorf education is really, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, energy for it in East Asia and South Asia. And I see it as kind of following in the wake of materialism and capitalism, like as capitalist materialism sort of takes hold, then there's this need for this this healing gesture in these other countries. And then it's it's taken up in very interesting contexts by um, groups of people, the Lakota Waldorf, the Lakota Reservation Waldorf School started there as a way to affirm Lakota culture. Um, many other places have taken it up. Um, the Middle East, you know, 
putting together people who are at war normally to, to have this healing gesture. So it's like a balancing mechanism. Yeah. There's like, it's, it's this very human impulse. Like we are human beings and how do we remember what it means to be human with one another? And so that's kind of the global context. And then what's going on in the United States right now is a whole nother conversation. Um, but, um, Michelle, maybe you can speak a little bit to what the, the the sort of the high school, because a lot of people, when they think of Waldorf, they think of early childhood. But actually, early childhood was not what Steiner worked on. He worked on <laughs> the first through 12 grades curriculum was what that's where his indications were. And then everything that happened in early childhood really happened after he died. That was kind of a later impulse. And that's what people see and know. But um, the 12 year curriculum was really his work. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I, I always love rehearing that, even though I've heard it and I know it. <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, yeah, you know, so the, you know, there's a recapitulation that happens in in the high school of all of the curriculum if, if a child has been at a Waldorf school up until that point. And um, it's really amazing and and magical how this education provides a really transformative experience for these young people today and it's interesting because having had two of my kids go to a public school for part of their time one graduate from a waldorf high school so just varying different things have happened and they all say that the waldorf high school is i mean so much better <laughs> kind of vague to say but you know it's just it's the teacher knows you it's the environment is comfortable um you're comfortable in the sense that you're seen and the social realm is really well cared for and um the curriculum is through all of the grades is developed to meet you where you are and i think that's the most unique thing and the thing that i've always loved so much about waldorf education but um, I don't know how many of us have like a great high school experience or memories, whereas for my kids that their high school experience at Waldorf schools is really profound. And um, that's kind of seen on the video that my son made for us. Um, he's going to school for film and, you know, looking at everyone that submitted videos to us for um, what is so significant about Waldorf, you can see how it impacts them. So when you look later on and they're in their 20s in college, kind of moving on to the next phase, they reflect back and realize that it gave them the space to figure out who they are. And that is not always something that's that's allowed or given given to young people today. So it's it's really um it really meets them. And so typically just like on a on a practical level, some of the things that are different about a Waldorf High School are that the classes are taught, you have morning lesson and you're, you're one and a half to two hours every day for three weeks. So you have a block experience that's different from independent and public schools, other independent schools. And um, they typically have elements, most Waldorf High Schools have elements of trips related to the curriculum. They have elements of theater related to the curriculum and the age. Um, and what NOVA is doing that's new and different are a few things. We were inspired by a couple of really cool schools. There's one in Italy called the Village Forest School. They're not a high school, but they're doing some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And then there's a cool a school called Sola, and we were inspired by them, Alpha, which is in Ireland, and then Tara Performing Arts, which is in Colorado. And then there's another school in Texas. And, and so, those, anyways, those are Waldorf or Waldorf inspired. Yes, they all are. Yep. Okay. Um, and and like a few of them have popped up out of COVID. So, really? um, and that there there are way lot. more. 
there are way more than that, but that, um, but those are the ones that are, that are, you could see more obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what we're doing that's a little bit different is having Fridays be off campus and we live in such an amazing place. And so we're working on block rotations where the students will be in groups and they might be on a science block for three weeks doing science in the field. They might be in an internship group or some kind of, um, immersion arts, you know, experience, they might be doing community service, they might be doing community building activities like skiing together. So they'll basically be in a different rotation on Fridays and the other academics will happen on, you know, Monday through Thursday. And then, you know, we're inspired by what Tara is doing, bringing the theater to life in a way that's really significant that everyone participates in. There's a whole school, you know, um, performance at the end of the year, just really emphasizing the arts and all of the ways that we, we can. And um, and then the other big thing that we're doing, which Waldorf schools do in general, is an immersion learning experience. But we are sort of we studied this summer. We all kind of serendipitously came up with this amazing idea, <laughs> which is to um, once we have the land that we're, we're seeking out now is to have the students actually help facilitate building the schoolhouse, the like individual school rooms that will be built and um, working with a local straw bell structure engineer. And the immersion experience is that for three weeks, all of their learning is tied into that building essentially. And so that immersion experience can happen whether it's a building a block or maybe it's foreign language and they're doing foreign language for three weeks all day. And that that um, that's something really cool that Alpha's doing. They built a boat, I think. Different oh, different wow. things can happen. Yeah. Um, it's of course going to be meaningful and tied to the curriculum and all of that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, we're really lucky that we have Jessica who has all this culinary experience. And so she is sort of cooking up um, some <laughs> ideas for for breakfast. And at first she was like, had this porridge idea. And I was like, I don't know. But once she started talking about it, her love of food makes you fall in love with her idea. And, and so, you know, to be able to offer a, a food program that the students will be able to participate in, um, whether it's through actually making the food with her or through just enjoying it will be really amazing. And um, we'll do amazing trips. And, you know, there's a lot that we're, we're um, working on now. And all of our big dreams depend on what enrollment looks like, you right. know, for our first year. So every, we have have our big dream which will be presented on our website once it's fully launched um, which i've and seen then... and it looks beautiful <laughs> and we'll share that on the show notes yeah and it yeah. has the yeah. video you're talking about which we'll also share in the yeah. show notes but now we're talking a, a lot about you know the building of this dream with the whole community and we're also talking a lot about arts can you go a little bit into like any of you or all of you a little bit into how is that so fundamental and so important for the development of the individual well, Jessica do you want to go because I just talked oh, for a while yeah I mean I think maybe all three of us can speak put you know put pieces of this together mm -hmm. but um so you know one of the so just to go back a little bit with Waldorf education and Michelle mentioned this the the sort of the core defining piece of Waldorf education is that it is developmental. That is the most um, fundamental piece of it. And it's it's developmental for every part of the human being. It's, um, you know, the that 
there's a physical development that happens that's met. There's an intellectual development that happens that's met. There's a an emotional development and a social development that happens that's met. And there's a spiritual development that happens that's met. And so um, that's so so everything in terms of what do you teach? It's like, um, how does it meet the child at that age or the adult for that matter? Because we're all we all are, you know, our development doesn't stop. Um, yeah. You know, a, you know, a huge amount happens before we're 21. But then another there's, you know, the there's all of these seven year cycles in Waldorf education that continue all the way, you know, all the way through our lives. Um, these these sort of developmental stages that we that we grow through. And I think the the idea about the building is it's it's partly just this real acknowledgement that what is facing teenagers today, adolescents and teenagers today is so um potentially sort of disembodying this very, um, you know, all of this virtual reality that's around where, you know, and, and you can see when you watch adolescents and teenagers and they relate to these devices, just how incredibly just like yeah. sucked into that world they are, how... Mm -hmm. Hell, you, you know, see, you see it with adults, <laughs> and, and with adults, not just yeah. with teenagers. Absolutely, you see it with adults um, too. And but I think it's a little bit scary to think about these kids that have grown up only with that, with that always existing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember the first time I was sat at a table and somebody Googled something on a device. I mean, I was in my thirties, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, it blew my mind. And my son has never known a time when that wasn't possible. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And. Now, you know, anything that he wants, he can theoretically order on a computer from, you know, from those companies. Yeah, we know what they are and have delivered to the door, like often within 24 hours, especially where we live. Maybe yeah. the, you know, maybe, right, maybe Not I up here. It takes two days up here, <laughs> Jessica, two um, days. But here it's like, <laughs> I mean, we order things that are like we uh, we've sometimes ordered things that are there the same day. Yeah. You order it in the morning and it gets delivered like goes. I mean, it's just like, whoa. You, you can't so, move up here, Jessica. You can't go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm like, I mean, I'm ready to like, you know, just like live in a yurt without any water. So but anyway, wow. that um, it's that bad. But yeah, I probably we probably won't go that far. But I think kids need to have this very real experience of the thing that they want, not only can it not be ordered, but it has to be this incredible process of building it, of making it. Yeah. You know, you want a school, we have to make the school. Yeah. You want lunch, we have to make lunch. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as, we, you know, if we need to grow the food, we need to grow the food or we need to go to the farm to see where the food is growing, like to just like. You want a textbook? You got to make the textbook. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that, that is part of Waldorf, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. True. Beautiful That's book. True. So. So I think that's one piece. And then the arts is, again, just I mean, and it's this is another sort of full circle for me personally, because I spent my high school years doing drama. That's what I did. And I think what it, it's just so meaningful to put on a production and to have to come together and put on a production is, again, what what we're really aiming for is experiences for these teenagers that are meaningful, mm -hmm. that are real and memorable and that wake them up to their present moment of mm -hmm. being. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big piece of it. And uh, 
traditionally aren't uh, class sizes are a lot smaller in Waldorf than what you would obviously have in public school. You know, and I think that's uh, sometimes we've we've been challenged because there haven't been enough students <laughs> in the class. But but, you know, when it gets to, you know, a, a 10, 12 number, it seems like a really cohesive unit that's created and the kids really look after one another. And, you know, I know that that was not my experience in public high school. And so, you know, to a certain extent, it's almost like um, they're not. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying they're not, but I mean, they don't seem like they're as bombarded with the uh the notions of dating and you know boyfriends and going steady and all that it's like we're here to learn and then you know that's for a later part in our I life i feel like they're at, i mean to me waldorf education in in our family has been an inspirational journey so it's not like learning it's like you're getting inspired you know, to really be curious and want to see more and read more and experience with your hands. So that that's what has been for us. Now, I wanted to get to that topic of, you know, before pandemic and after pandemic, because you guys are bringing a new form, right? So can you talk a little bit about how is Nova High going to be different? What is the meaning of Nova High? And why are they all popping up? right now all over <laughs> yeah yeah that's such a good question um well i mean you can see education changing right now mm -hmm. you know it, over 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 the course of the waves of of covid um public independent schools all shifted and changed um for the better and not yeah yeah <laughs> and um and so out of that i feel like what has happened is it's distilled down these groups that didn't realize they were groups together they didn't realize they belonged together um and that they had had um sort of a, a soul connection and you know this path that needed to come together and that's what i see in in some of the schools out there and and in nova and in this need so we we kind of you know, worked on the name for a couple of weeks and then wow. and really trying to find a name that really like said it. What is it? You know, it's hard. It's hard to name something and it's so official. Um, but eventually we landed on this and the Latin um, description of Nova is a newly discovered, newly visible star. And so, you know, when when um, the students go into ninth grade, their their critical thinking begins to shift, their brain development begins to shift, and they're really, they're looking upwards and they're looking outwards. And there's a different kind of reflection that happens, especially once they get between 11th and 12th grade. And so um, just thinking about that vision um, of, of the stars and also something new. And for us, it's not just a new school and, and a new idea. Mm -hmm. It's also renewal within ourselves and really pushing ourselves to be in renewal, not just today, but 10, 20 years from now. Um, what we see happening, which Jessica will probably talk about later, because um, she's in the thick of this, is, <laughs> um, you know, there when schools become a large entity, they can become a little bit dogmatic or a mm -hmm. lot. Mm -hmm. And um, at some point when you're, um, if you're at a school that, that wants to have 30 kids, for example, in that high school class, which they have, you know, my, my child was in like 24, for example. And, um, and the, the drive is just to grow that. And, and no longer is it about what the students need and no longer are the decisions being made, you know, for the best of the student body and they're more for the entity. So anyway, new is all about just staying in renewal and staying present, you know, and that, that 
that means tomorrow and next year and the year after. It's really important to stay in renewal. And then some of the things that make us different are we're going to have a pretty um, significant drug and alcohol policy, I would say, where the students really need to be on board with um, not using drugs and alcohol while enrolled at Nova. And that's pretty bold. I only know of one, one other school that's doing that in a high school. Wow. Um, yeah, and for Waldorf, I don't know. About that is kind of surprising um, to me because I thought that was just I know. a standard. Know. <laughs> you know, you're I know you're not going yeah. to public school. You're going to something different. Yeah, you would expect yeah there's, a, there's, there's a real um, asking them to rise up into their own destiny, you know? Okay. And, um, and then same with our media policy. You know, there will be no cell phone use in the school. It will be a 5G Wi-Fi free school. Wow. Doesn't mean you can't have internet, but we won't have, it'll be wired. Mm-hmm. And um, and the students won't need to write papers um, on a computer until 11th grade. And um, so those are those are a little bit more radical, I would say, in the Waldorf movement. Okay. And I again, I only know one other school doing that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so, yeah, some of our 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 policies and, and maybe a better word is agreements are going to be a little bit different. And um, so let's explore yeah. that a little bit, because for you know, most people out there, they think a lot, a lot of parents think, okay, like, what is it going to be like with uh, my child having to go to college or something and not having mm-hmm. that computer experience of, oh, yeah. or the media experience? How do you guys like respond to something like that? Well, I mean, I can speak from a personal perspective because I have college age students. So Mm -hmm. my oldest son is going to Brandeis. He went to Waldorf schools from sixth through 12th grade. He didn't have a cell phone until he was almost a senior. He didn't use a computer until maybe 11th grade, maybe later. Um, And he got into a really nice college. So (laughs) college isn't the end all be all. But if Uh that's the path you want, you could learn computer today and go to college tomorrow. It's not there is no um, I don't know that I would currently like prescribe to, if you start them in eighth grade on the computer, they're gonna be better set up. Um, Nor do we at all think that a child who doesn't use a cell phone or doesn't, you know, use other kinds of technology will will be in any way behind. We all can Mm -hmm. see that you can learn that in a minute if babies can learn it, so. (laughs) I I think a lot of times when parents say stuff like that, it's like, well, I mean, I I wanna rationalize the fact that I've I've given this, because I mean, you you put a kid, you put a five-year-old with a phone, it's like all of a sudden they're, you know, they're doing everything on it within an hour. (laughs) There's also like something that we're kind of going through right now is the subject, our school offers the cyber civics. And Mm -hmm. because they said, when we got to prepare the kids when they are online, you know, they got to have some sort of etiquette and they need to know what is misinformation and they need when they do enter you know that phase of having to be online I guess what what do you guys think about that do you think is a necessity or think like kids are gonna I think rise up yeah. and not gonna <laughs> I think you can learn that in high school I mean there a lot of those programs are really relevant to that high school age. And mm-hmm. I'm curious what Jessica thinks because she has an eighth grader and yeah. she's like on the cusp right now with her her kid. But I, I think that um, it's a really important program. A lot of times Waldorf schools that don't have a high school tend to rush what they're doing at the eighth grade level and kind of 
almost like do things that are a little bit older so that they can prepare them. And I, I understand the gesture, but mm-hmm. when there's a Waldorf high school present, that doesn't happen in the eighth grade and the seventh grade. They don't have to because it's built in, in, in a really appropriate way. That so, makes sense. What do you think, Jessica? Uh, well, I just want to confirm what you just said, because most of our, the, the, at the school that I'm currently at, most of our um, graduates go on to non-Waldorf. The minority yeah. go on to Waldorf. And okay. so we are seeing that the high schools that they go to, sometimes it's all on screen. Yeah. It's, that's what they do. I mean, even what I would say is really the best non-Waldorf school that if I were going to stay here and I were going to send my son to a high school around here, the one I would send him to it's it's all on screens and if they don't know how to type and don't know how to i mean it's really just typing i mean all these kids know how to do all the other stuff because they have enough like you said you know you five minutes and they've, yeah. they've met they're an my influencer son, on instagram you know 10 minutes no, my, my, my son is constantly training me on the shortcuts and like showing me things like i mean he, he, he's much more native to this digital technology mm-hmm. but he doesn't know how to type you know he still yeah. does mm-hmm. like this and so that's one thing that we've been you know debating and wrestling with at our school mm-hmm. is like is it should the school teach them to type or do we just um, say there's these online programs, go learn to type. And so that's, that's a living question for us, but Mm -hmm. it is one of the pieces of feedback that we get from our ninth graders. Like this is a thing, like I don't know how to do that. I need to know how to do. And Mm -hmm. um, I I do want to say that I, uh, I hunt and peck 75 words a minute. So (laughs) I I, I do, I do. And my, and my spelling is better than her who, who, (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. Well, my my dad was a writer. He was a professional writer, and he never learned to, to type like yeah. this. He always typed. So it's it's not the end of the world. Um, and then the cyber civics. My son has been doing some cyber cyber civics in eighth grade, and I've really appreciated it. Um, I appreciate another influence. His teacher, who he has a huge amount of respect for, has been. Um, really sort of presenting. Um, you know, they haven't gotten yet into so much the social media, what they've been looking at is um, the biases of websites and mm-hmm. being able to um, look at websites and figure out, you know, what's credible, what's not. Um, and, you know, that all can sound kind of scary too to, to some of us who are, you know, are very <laughs> alternative in our views on certain things. Um, but, but the skills that he's learning, I think, have been really have been really valuable. So it can be done really well and it can be a huge value. And for them, it hasn't been being on screen. Um, Mostly the teacher's been printing out pages and bringing them in. So they just had printouts that they're looking at, but they're kind of looking at like what's underneath. And they've been, you know, doing some comparing of, you know, left media and right media and what stories are on which and why. And all that critical thinking to me is just absolutely central to Waldorf and Mm -hmm. will be a big part of the high school mission is because mm-hmm. that's just starting in eighth grade right now and okay. so then ninth through 12th like building those those critical thinking skills is absolutely central but mm-hmm. you don't have to do that on a screen and yeah. like okay you say, like, so that's where i wanted to get because you're saying that you're going to be doing a different way where we're not going to have screens everywhere um internet's going to be wired and then we're going to have a device policy and that's because you want to separate or you want the kids to be in their body and experience their immediate reality is that am i getting the gist of it yeah 
Well, yeah, I mean, really, it so much of it is about the amount of work it takes to be a Waldorf teacher is um, significant. And in the lower grades, it's different than in the high school. You're, you get to specialize in a subject versus in the lower grades. In the grades, you are, um, you're, you're learning everything, right? So you have mm -hmm. to be an expert at everything. But either way, it's really hard work. And so to put all this love and care and thought into all that and then have I mean, at, in the public school right now, in my daughter's class, she's an 11th grader. I mean, they're all on their cell phones all the time, whenever they want. There is no policy. I mean, if a teacher, there might be a few teachers that. Um, and so what can they really take in when they're so distracted? Yeah. When they're so, you know, or and, and also like with the computers and um, the art of handwriting is so valuable. There are so many studies you could go on and find about how important the brain connections are for keeping handwriting going for mm -hmm. as long as we can um, muster. And so we've we've talked about and imagined that at the end of 10th grade, there's a real understanding, like, do we have a, an elective where they take a computer apart and understand how it works and really get to the inside of it before they start to use it as a tool mm -hmm. and to teach them to use it as a tool responsibly, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. What is next here on our... <laughs> so Nova is new. You guys said you're going to continue to evolve, evolve. Now, you guys saw a need for this. I mean, you ladies saw a need for this pre between pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. I mean, the, the technology has been part of the newer generation since, you know, to the, I would say since our, our children were born, 2008, that's when the smartphones or 2005 to 2008, they start coming out. And then now we have this new challenge where we are asked to not express ourselves as humans as we used to before, right? So there is social distancing. They're still masking many places. I mean, we just had a, uh, some visitors from California come visit us, and their daughter is about 12. the age of our our middle and she i mean she basically wore her mask the whole time and she goes to public school in there in the silicon valley area big city and i just couldn't understand how is that still going on it, it's not though right i mean jessica where you're at it's it's over isn't it is it over <laughs> well it's the 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 mandatoriness of it is over but um i mean we still have students that wear masks um, and you go to other, and I think our school is, you know, as a percentage wise, it's, it's very few, it's a few, it's a handful. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but when I look at kids coming out of other schools, a lot of them are still masked. Wow. Yeah. And, and there's certain stores that you go into where the majority of people that you see are wearing masks. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the East Bay. So, um, mm -hmm. That's it's crazy. It's more prevalent than than you think. Um, at our school, it's you know you've got a handful of kids, and then what's how it's sort of evolved is that you know, and there's there's one teacher that wears one pretty consistently, but other than that, people will wear them when they're sick. Mm -hmm. Is more the thing, you know, when mm -hmm. somebody is sick, then they'll they'll put it on, and there still are requirements. There's still public health requirements for when you've had COVID, you can come back after five days if you've tested negative, but you have to wear a mask for up to 10 days. So there's still some so there's requirements still, there. Still in there. Yeah. So then how how are you is is this new form going to support and and even help heal this trauma 
right? So there's the technology, the immersion, the metaverse, the avatars, the identity you are online, and then you have then this huge gap, huge divide where you can't see full human expression anymore. How how are you ladies planning to support this new generation through your your project? I'm sure we all have something to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> This is, you know, we're, we're creating this really amazing document, which will end up being one of our first blog posts and also um, is going to address a lot of things. But, um, you know, it's just interesting what has happened over the last four years. And, you know, we have a lot to say, which we won't be able to even remotely cover. Of but course. one of the things that we're definitely in agreement together is, you know, this inherent right to choose for yourself, you know, what works for your own body. So we could say that's about masks. It's about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Right now, it might be masks. In the future, it might be something else. But yeah. this idea that, you know, in a school environment, you can make the choice that's best for yourself. Um, mm -hmm. You know, those are the kinds of things that we're working on bringing, bringing into our um our, our values, you know, that we'll be expressing. But I think inherently Waldorf education actually really grew over COVID. All, all of the schools that I know about have been to, they all really grew mm -hmm. because they stayed in a in good person. way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It, I mean, I, it, so they grew because they were in more, they grew because they were more in person mm -hmm. um, because they're independent schools. They aren't bound by all of the same rules. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if this is what happened at Berkeley Rose, but all of the schools I've been at um, grew. However, they had all of these policies in place that, that actually limited and stripped away what Waldorf education really is about for me as a human. And it was, it was, it's been really hard to process the drastic, um, deviation from what anthroposophy is about like it's so important to see a teacher's face we're literally teaching them speech in early childhood through stories through songs and if you can't see someone's mouth how are you learning that and so it just really broke from that and and we're really trying to bring a high school that honors that and mm -hmm. that you know that understands the value of all those deep anthroposophical things that are the root of of Waldorf education that are really special so mm -hmm. I'm sure um yeah, well, that's great. I think, I think one thing that that you said too that is there's there was this synergy between the COVID policies and the growth of the technology too because yeah. you couldn't be in mm -hmm. human community you were forced to be in you know I mean the what we're doing right now right this yeah. is, this, beca this became the you know the form of community which it is that, a wonderful tool but i mean yeah. it is a wonderful it's tool. not a replacement <laughs> exactly exactly and we all had the privilege of growing up in human community and then you know this this hit us in whatever in our adult years you know mm -hmm. for me like you know yeah zoom when i was 50 when zoom hit i wasn't you know <laughs> 15 you know so right. so i think there is a healing that is needed a around this for, you know, and I do see, I see some children wearing masks, you know, because, because they're hiding, you know, and that's, that's sad, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they're afraid and they're afraid of, of other people. And, the, and that's real. That's, that's like, that's a, I mean, I think we're going to be seeing the, the downstream impacts of these decisions that we made in the past few years, we're going to be seeing them for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely think it has informed um, so much about our, 
our plans that we really see teenagers as, I mean, I hate to say it, but I really think kids were just thrown under the bus, yeah. right, in this whole experience. And so they need... <laughs> <laughs> they, they need they need a lot right mm -hmm. now yeah. they actually really need a lot and we as adults um owe them something um and and especially i think you know adolescence is a tough time i mean we can all think back to our adolescence and our teenage years and remember it as a challenging time mm -hmm. you know even without all this you know um division in our society this polarization in our society the you know the COVID experience which was shocking i think to all of us mm -hmm. and and the technology which is just so so sophisticated so unbelievably sophisticated and getting more and more sophisticated <laughs> as yeah. we talk yeah all the time so it's i think the need is very real and the need to be very present to what what is needed today and you know 2023 it's a it's a time like no previous time and what's needed educationally is very specific to this moment. No, I couldn't agree more. And and one of the things that struck me with with Waldorf when we first experienced it in uh, Kansas, where where we came from, was uh, you know I remember we we went in the first day to drop the kids off, and there was just this magic, you know what I mean? And 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 it was just weird. I was like, I have never experienced anything. I feel like I am, I am in the class. You know, we had these early education teachers. They were like. Um, you know, not, not, not trying to pigeonhole them, but it was almost like I was in a Mary Poppins movie and they were just, you know, picking me up and taking me up with the umbrella or something. It was just wild. And, and it, 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 and what was cool was that they saw the importance of holding the, the children, you know, in that space and they didn't, they didn't break it. You, you know what I mean? Because we would sometimes see them in social circles outside of the school and, and, you know, they were different, but when they were at the school, it was like, okay, we're here to create this, this environment for the child where they can, you know, use their imagination and, and, and really kind of connect with their, their body and the other people, uh, the other kids in their class and all that. And, and, and accepting them as they, they are. Yeah. At where they're at. So that was, it was even healing for me. I was in the classroom with my son, my oldest I'm first grade for six months, um, just, you know, volunteering there. And it was a healing experience of my first grade. You were like doing foot rubs, weren't you, or something? I was, no, I was helping in the early childhood too. But I mean, just being with him and doing, I had my own book. So I would do what they were doing. And it was so healing for me. So I can only imagine what kind of experience he had. I mean, he had no you know, no, no background experience from school. I mean, he started in first grade. He didn't go to school until first grade. So it was so healing for me. But going back to Nova, um, Natalie, you were really passionate about intentional communities. And I wanted to hear from you a little bit of how you guys are planning to bring that. I mean, let's just talk about intentional communities for a second and how you're uh, ushering that into this, this vision that you guys have. Yeah. Well, um, for those people who don't know what an intentional community is, it's a very broad umbrella term that can mean any form of community of basically three people or more coming <laughs> together with shared values. Um, and so to me, um, you know, community is just this essential 
necessity of, of all times, but especially now in the wake of COVID um, and coming full circle back to what we were talking about before regarding how Waldorf education is really this like nurturing answer to a traumatic situation you know that's what we're aiming to create with nova is just this place of healing and the way that that healing is going to come about is through community and so i've seen um lots of different communities now through my studies and in sandpoint specifically i've come to know the german baptist brethren community quite closely and for those who don't know what that term is it's most similar to the mennonite community okay. uh, Yep. And so there's there's quite a few Mennonite um, German Baptist brethren out here. And so I'm I've been um, growing close to them, attending church with them and seeing just like how they do community and studying that. And I want to emulate so many factors of that, um, not religiously, but community oriented. Mm -hmm in Nova. So, um, so anyway, that's sort of where, where my background has been and where my mind has been, but regarding, um, just kind of how we are going to bring this community into our school. So Michelle already mentioned our immersion Fridays. And so we're going to be having these immersion Fridays where the students are going to be um, going out and they're going to be doing off-campus learning with experts. And it's going to be taking the form of internships, science, deep nature, community service, and community contributions. And so we're going to be having experts um, in and out of the block rotations, but specifically on the Fridays, the students are gonna be out in the community with community members learning very hands-on. And so we're definitely going to be having the students out in the community and then vice versa, we hope to have the community members come into the school um, doing community days and adult workshops. Um, and that's gonna be essential for um, a lot of different reasons, but we're going to be raising um, hopefully straw bale structures, as we mentioned before. And so we're going to be hoping to have community members come and learn um, with the straw bale structures and then all sorts of things that we've talked about, including the food and the farming. So there's gonna be a variety of ways for community members to come in and help out and then for the students to get out into the community. And that's just, yeah, the great answer to to our times and how this school is going to be super community based. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So exciting. So one last thing I want to just talk about the vision is, you know, some parents, a lot of parents out there going back to, you know, my kid is going to be in this lovely environment in this community where they're going to be building things and they're going to experiencing things firsthand. What about the parents that say, oh, but what about the academics? <laughs> what do you guys have to say about that? Well, it's just, it's funny because <laughs> I used to be a homeschooler and, and people always said to you when you're a homeschooler or if you're a vegetarian, there's always something, some phrase. Uh -huh. And when you're a homeschooler, the phrase is, um, well, how are they going to socialize? When in all reality, <laughs> right? like we had huge social groups that were all ages. It was so healthy. It was such a healthy social environment. Mm -hmm. um, so the thing that has happened with my kids is going from the private, you know, school to the Waldorf experience to the public school here is they barely have to think at all to get an A. They don't, they just, they're not required to think to, in order to get through the day, get through the semester. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way in, in a lot of schools because they're just, they have so many students and just the way that it's built. Um, and so it's, it's not, as rigorous unless you're taking all AP classes and and even then it's still different than Waldorf education. And so I know from my own experience that that um, 
even with all this really great um, immersion and arts and theater, there is going to be a core academic component that will be taught by well-qualified teachers. Mm -hmm. And it's rigorous. It's hard. It's hard to write a five-page paper handwritten. Yeah, That is not easy. And I could show you all my son's books and all of the hard work he did. It's shocking to see that a ninth or tenth grader can create these elaborate pieces of art in their main lesson book. And then these science experiments, they're drawing out what they see in science. They're they're in science, they're watching the experiment happen and they're thinking about what's happening before they're told in a public school realm. They're just told what's happening. They just have to learn the facts. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's significantly more rigorous than a lot of other programs out there. And um, most definitely beyond repair prepares you for whatever you do next, I think. So, <laughs> Okay, beautiful. So just to finish off, because I know our time is almost up, but I wanted to know from this beautiful vision that you guys are creating and you ladies are creating and that we're so excited about and want to be part of, when what is your, um, I wouldn't say like an agenda, but what is your, your hope I guess, for the students that are going to go through this in this community for their future, where, what is your hope for them? That's number one. And number two, how can we support you to make this dream happen? Um, well, maybe I can speak to the, the what is the hope? I mean, to me, the hope is uh, people who, you know, as they, as they come into adulthood, um, have are are on a path of meaning like they, it's you know the the destiny path can be a long and winding road so i'm yeah. not expecting an 18 year old to know what they want to do <laughs> but i i do think that there there is a real need i mean there is a true mental health crisis among teenagers in this country like it is real and all these factors that we've been talking about have impacted that and so um, having, my hope is that every student will find something that inspires them. Like we, you know, the inspiring, like that they can like grab onto. And it's like, this is what I want to do more of. This is what I want to, you know, whether it's, um, you know, uh, construction or cooking or higher math or writing or drama or, but something screenwriting, um, you know, movie making, even like once we get into the upper grades, like this, you know, all this stuff that's, it's not that we're like against this technology. Mm -hmm. It's that we want, we want kids who are creators and not just consumers. Right. right. So that's yeah. one. And then the second piece has to do with the thinking. And this is like what you saw with those first graders. It's like, it's building towards this capacity to be a thing, you know, a clear free thinker. This is where actually the freedom is in mm -hmm. anthroposophy. It's inner freedom. It's that, you know, it's here and it's here and it's, you know, it's, it's what you can find inside yourself. And after this COVID experience, I think it's more important than ever that we cultivate in our, you know, that refined that part of our humanity. That's about that inner freedom and being able to really think and ask questions and, um, and be, and, and, and frankly, some self-sufficiency, being able to do things for yourself, not be dependent on these corporations, um, mm -hmm. because you, you know how to make things for yourself, you know how to do things for yourself. And that's one of the hallmarks. So 
that's I think awesome. that's what I'm hoping for for these kids. That's what I want for my son. I mean, that's part of my motivation and all this is what I want for my son. And then how we can help, Natalie can tell you some of that. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> So you can find us at our website, um, which we've already mentioned, and that's novahigh.org. Um, we have sort of a soft launch going on right now. So on the 15th of February, we're going to be doing a formal launch where you'll be able to read a lot more specifics about the school. So that's coming up soon. Um, and even right now, you can subscribe to our email list to receive um, the latest information and any updates that we have coming out. Um, and this is also a perfect little opportunity for me to mention that Support is always appreciated monetarily. Yeah. Um, just we are we are a startup, and right now um, everything is being funded by us three founders. Um, and so we have a Venmo link on the website that anybody who feels inspired to donate to can do that. And it, every little bit helps. Every little bit. Um, and specifically speaking, we do have an upcoming event, um, which is called Nova's Education and Immersion Evening, and that's happening on March 30th. And we're going to be bringing up our mentor from um, the East Coast, whose name is Jeff O'Brien, who Michelle knows. So Michelle, I don't know if you want to jump in and give a brief bio of him and why he's so important for us. Yeah, he's one of the um, founders of the Waldorf High School there, Maine Coast Waldorf School, and he's a math and science teacher. And you know, part of the reason why it feels really important to bring him is because um, there hasn't been a Waldorf High School here before, and people here don't really understand what it's even really about or how it's different than a public school. Is it really better? Is it yeah. is it just a continuance of eighth grade? You know, and so he is amazing. He's been doing this for his whole adult life, and he um, he's an expert in in being able to deliver to an audience why the curriculum meets the student and what the students are going through. And that's really a special thing to have as a parent, you know, of a of a teen, um, what they're developmentally going through. That's really helpful. <laughs> and so he's going to come and just has volunteered his time. So we just have to fund his flight and bringing him basically, which is so generous. And he will do a talk that evening about that. And then we'll have breakup groups and immersion experiences where you could take a math class, you could take a culinary, you know, ex have a culinary experience oh, with Jessica, cool. writing class. Yeah, so it's going to be really awesome. And we just found out that we we have the event um, for March 30th and we booked, we're booking the Little Panda Death Theater. So that's where it'll be held. Oh, Very cool. exciting. How exciting. Yeah, so flyers soon, but that's the kind of, if you donate $5, it all helps. <laughs> all right. And then enrollment. You said that you were looking forward to enrollment. When is that opening? Yeah, our, our hopeful goal right now at this moment today is uh, March 1st. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, yes. We're, we, there's so much work. If you've started a school, you might know. And if you haven't, you I have not. <laughs> I, I started six of them. Okay. I, I oh, know yeah, yeah. We are supporters yeah. all day long, but we'll leave yeah, that to and, the experts. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be, we'll be hopefully opening enrollment March 1st. And the oh, enrollment my. process will be visible once the website is live. You just won't be able to engage yet mm -hmm. until um, March 1st. We have everything finalized on our end. So. All right. Well, yeah. amazing, ladies. I want any any final thoughts that you have? No, I mean I'm good. I I just really appreciative of you guys uh, sitting down with us so that we can you know talk more about Waldorf, especially in our community. But just you know we would like to bring more visibility and exposure to Waldorf to you know our audience because we think it's a fantastic option if you have one of those available to you in your area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. What a fun time we had what a blessing how excited i am that 
you three beautiful women are bringing this into form for our babies. <laughs> Thank you for having us, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Us. Yes. Yeah. Bye, guys. God bless. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. All right. Well, that was so great for them to join us this evening. Did yes. you enjoy the conversation? Yes. We're so excited about this new project. We're so excited that there's this renewal happening yeah. in the Waldorf space because the pandemic was, was, it was rough. hard on It was rough Waldorf on Waldorf, yeah. I think. It was hard on... On everybody. On but. everyone, but it was especially traumatic, I felt. I mean, there was definitely a shift in the energy. Well, I mean, I think that... that a lot of these these schools, you know, what happened in the pandemic is not really in their ethos, you know, and, and but they, you know, for whatever reason, they felt they were forced to, you know, participate in that, that, that stuff. And, and, uh, but as you, we can see, it's been a catalyst for, for change, it has, for it something has. new, for a new recognition of our children, you know, and adolescents and our young adults are really craving and needing right now. So we're very excited. So if you can support the project, we would appreciate it. Share with your friends. And if you want to join the the movement, move to Northern Idaho. <laughs> yeah, and uh, don't forget to uh, smash the like button on Rumble or if you would like to give a review of the podcast on any podcast platform that you're listening on, then mm-hmm. please do. We'd love to have that. Uh, and then I mentioned the Telegram group at the Collective Resistance Podcast, as well as Twitter at TCRP4178. So without any further ado, Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious. <laughs>